0: to this podcast. This is going to be about the life and times of Tim Peel. In this series of podcasts, I'm going to take you through my life from birth to retirement. I will be covering some of the major events in my life and some of the successes and failures that I've had during my lifetime. So sit back, strap yourself in, it's going to be a bit of a bumpy ride. Welcome to episode 21 of the Tim Hill Podcasts. In this episode, I've just retired. Having come out of hospital and moved a few days afterwards down to Gosport, with the help of many of our friends, we finally got moved into our new bungalow. We say new bungalow, I mean it's new to us. It was actually... mm, Well, the insurance company said we'd probably be better off knocking it down and starting again. But we didn't. Once we put the house on the market and we were looking for somewhere, we had a clear picture of exactly the type of place that we wanted to live in. What we were looking for was a bungalow on a corner plot with a double garage. And that is exactly what we've ended up with. We found a local guy who was going to do the work for us. Uh, he was going to employ, he was going to manage the whole the whole project. He'd got guys in to, to do... The, the plumbing he'd got guys well he was a plumber himself but he got guys in to do the electrics he got guys in to do the the brick work. he got a, a, we had a, one particular guy Steve he was there pretty much the whole time and it took the best part of 2018 to rebuild the house every wall every ceiling had to be re-skimmed we had Uh, a separate toilet and a separate bathroom without a toilet so the toilet didn't have a a wash basin and the bathroom didn't have a toilet so what we did was blocked off the wall we knocked a wall through uh, from the bedroom into the toilet we put uh, a wash basin in there and a toilet so that was an ensuite for the guest room and then with the bathroom we took out the bath we put in a toilet and we put in a, a walk-in shower, because we figured that you know, when we're trying to step in and out of a bath, we're not um, we're not as agile as we used to be. Well, I certainly ain't. So from that point of view, we had that done. We had the chimney taken out. The is it was actually it was listed as a three-bedroom, but it was more a, a two-and-a-half-bedroom bungalow. So the the third bedroom, which was no more than a a box room really, we moved the wall because the hall was so wide uh, and it really didn't need to be. So we we moved the wall by about 18 inches to give us a a bigger room that we now use as a dining room. The main bedroom that we use, we had all re-skimmed and everything. We had to replace both lentils over both of the front bedrooms because they had uh, rotted and gone away. From there... We had sharps come in and build us some wardrobes. There's one side for Roe and the other side for me, so we've got all our stuff in there. We had a brand new kitchen put in. We had a brand new heating system, complete heating system, hot water system, rewired right the way through. All the floors had been uh, relayed or taken up, latex put down, carpet put down, or Cardine through the, the the kitchen and the hallway, so now the place is immaculate. We had uh, a one and a half size garbage that was falling down. It was one of these old um, corrugated asbestosy type roofs that wasn't actually asbestos, but that sort of wriggly stuff that had all started starting to collapse and fall down. So we had that knocked down. We had all the base ripped up and we had two brand spanking new prefabricated concrete garages put in place. Both of them are 29 square metres each. And the reason we had two and not just a big one is that if we'd have gone any bigger than 30 square metres we would have had to got planning permission for it which would have cost a couple of grand or something like that. So it's just easy to to be able to put up two garages at 29 square metres So Ro's got one for all her stuff, and then I've got one for all my toys. So I'll keep both my motorbikes in there and I put a car in there every night. Ro puts her car away in her garage as well. So the garden was totally all re-landscaped as well. So we've got a really nice sort of patio area where we can have barbecues and have friends around and stuff like that. The front garden was all, taken up and then laid to turf so it looks an absolute picture row has done an absolute blinding job with the garden not blowing her own trumpet but it looks the best house or the best bungalow in the whole road so we're really proud of it but to get the house to where it is now was a major major feat now if you can picture this we had the the beast from the east. We moved in in the 30th of November 2017. We hadn't got the guys ready to start until the beginning of January. They started on the beginning of January. In fact, so Christmas, we we didn't have much at all. So what we decided to do is we're going to go down onto the boat and we're going to go down to Newtown Creek and drop the hook for Christmas. And Ro and I were going to spend Christmas down in Newtown Creek on a boat which we did and it was fabulous it was it was cozy warm down there but it was the wind was blowing and we were stuck there for about three days actually and Ro had pre-prepared Christmas dinner for us we had roast turkey we had roast venison and all the trimmings it was brilliant we had a lovely lovely time down there and then when we came back We spent New Year's up at Hillhead with the rest of the crazy gang. There's a group of uh, about 10 of us that all enjoy partying and stuff like that. And we're all really good mates. And we're all sailors. And Helen and Stuart put us up at their house for for New Year's Eve so we could uh, watch the fireworks that they'd laid on over in Cowles, which was a terrific, terrific night. And we've had several... New Year's Eve parties there and it's a great place to go. And then the guys came in and started in January. We didn't have any heating in the house at the time. And the time they started knocking walls down and and one thing or another, the beast from the east was really starting to bite in. And we were gibbering wrecks most of the time. We had to, there were some neighbors that came round and lent us a couple of oil heaters Just so we could sort of wrap ourselves around these oil heaters at night, it was an absolute nightmare. But we kept the hope up by saying it'll be lovely when it's finished, and it was lovely when it was finished. But it took the best part of 2018, and I think the guys actually just did finish off in 2019. The last little bits in the in the front garden was the bits to do, and there's still little 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 jobs that are being done at the moment, but they're just little bits of maintenance just to keep it going. But it is a lovely, lovely place to live. Around Gosport, uh, we love it down there. We're about 10 minutes from the boat. Um, we're members of the Hornet Services Sailing Club. In fact, we're a little bit more than members. We are the social secretaries, Rowena and I, and we've been, for the last couple of years, organizing lots and lots of parties, lots and lots of do's in the clubhouse. People say to me, don't you miss being in the military? Well, no, I don't really, because I enjoy mess life, obviously. Uh, I've been in a science mess for for the best part of my career, and I enjoy mess functions. I enjoy the sit-down, formal dinners. But we've got that at Hornet and with like-minded people people that are sailors yes there were an awful lot of naval retired officers there which the club was predominantly was but in 2014 it became a a tri-service club so as the hornet services sailing club and we've been granted a royal warrant and princess anne is our patron now we've got lots of army members lots of royal naval and lots of rf members and it's quite a diverse thing. And um, we instigated having each service have one of their battle on the nights. So the army, we lay on a, a, a Waterloo dinner uh, on the 18th of June or thereabouts, which is a, a full-on formal dinner. The R.E.F. do the Battle of Britain night around about the 12th of September. And the Navy lay on two nights. They have um, Trafalgar night which is predominantly for the officers in the Navy. And we also have a pickle night, which is for the senior rates mess. The other three do's are formal dinners, so it's all um, mess kit or or jacket and uh, dinner suit. But pickle night is fancy dress. Well, we say fancy dress, we say period costume for 1805 and it's, it's done on pretty much what you do in a, a senior rates mess in the Navy. So you have uh, some dits and stuff like that, and you have uh, each table set up as a gun, and you have a gun captain, you have a black spot. You, you, you have all these sort of things that are, that are set up on, and you have a, a run bosun, and you have defaulters, and it is a really, really fun night. And then we have the, the Christmas draw. So we have a big dinner night, well I say dinner night, a big party night uh, and a Christmas draw. So in December people put money into this this prize draw and from, from that we then buy all the, the presents and we have a, a big draw on the night. During um, the, say, the off sailing season we run uh, a meat raffle on a Friday lunchtime and it's a self-sustaining thing so whatever money we make on one week we spend on meat for the following week but we've now got it into uh, we spend around about £80 a week on meat prizes and we have this this meat raffle on a Friday and it brings people into the club and that's what it's all about for us it's about getting people into the club and enjoying themselves and then in January we have a Burns Night Supper so far, I haven't had to step up to the mark to actually run it. However, it's come close on a couple of occasions. Can you imagine me running a, a Burns Night supper with my Scottish accent? Hello there, is that you, Jock McHeel? Now, nah, I'm not quite sure that works at all. That summer of 2018, we decided that because we we're now both retired, we'd go off on the boat just for some respite from all the building works that was going on in the house. They were still only halfway through at this stage, so it was just something we wanted to do. And I'd like to go back up to the Baltic. Having sailed up at Kiel uh, many times in the past, I really wanted to go up there and sail my own boat, doing my own thing without having to worry about having soldiers running amok, getting drunk and and causing trouble. So we decided we were going to go off. We were going to go up through the Dutch Stanmars route. So we're going to go through Holland in the canals, which we did. And we managed to get all the way up through the canals. We had a couple of incidents on the way up. Um, We had one bridge. We were traveling with a a Dutch boat and they said that we're, we're going for a rail bridge and a road bridge. They called ahead and said, there's two boats coming through, no problem at all. And they went through, we were right on their tail. And just as we were going to get into the second bridge, it started to come down. I had to slam the boat into reverse and the bridge just missed my forestay by no more than a metre or so. Had I not been able to stop it, it would have taken out our mast and really put a scupper on the whole trip. And then we carried on and... uh, we got all the way up to uh, Lewarden, at the top of them, uh, at the top of Holland, and then we popped out into the North Sea, and then we came round and we left Nordney, and we were going to go to Cuxhaven, but by the by the time we got to Cuxhaven, we were going so well that we decided to carry on the extra eleven miles down to Brunsboll, to the start of the Kiel Canal, which we did, and we got there. And we had to hang around for about an hour to get into the lock. And we got into the lock and we overnighted there. And then we left the following morning and we went all the way up through the Kill Canal and popped out at the top at Kill. And we spent that first night. We went round into what was the old British Kiel Yacht Club, which was a pretty sorry sight, I must say, with all the empty pontoons, the gates all locked up. The pontoons were covered in sort of bird crap, and it, it was a real shame. It was a fantastic facility, so we spent a night there on the hook, just outside the, the, the marina itself. And the following morning, we left off to go up into Denmark, and our first stop was going to be Sonderborg. But as we was going, uh, as we left, and we were heading up into the narrow part to go through at La there was three of the P2000. Military patrol boats came through, raw Naval ones. So being rather clever, I decided that to row, dip the enzyme to each of them. But well, the first one, you you couldn't imagine the panic must have been going on on there because there was, there was a bit of scrambling about and, and the guy finally got to the back and managed to dip his enzyme. I think the skipper warned the other two boats off that we were going to do it. Uh, and the other two dipped their enzymes and uh, we gave them a wave and stuff like that. And these guys were then on their way up to Karlskrona for the summer. Apparently, they send three of these uh, P2000s up every year to Sweden to go and take part in something up in Karlskrona, which is the main naval base in Sweden. Something that was quite amusing was back in 2019, we had a rededication of the Coastal Forces Memorial, that the club and the Coastal Forces Association, they put a lot of money into being refurbished. And we had two of these P2000s come over from, from Portsmouth and come alongside for this rededication. And afterwards, we laid on a buffet and stuff like that for, for everybody that was there. And it was only sort of a handful of invited guests, and dignitaries and stuff like that. And being club secretaries, we were invited in as well. And I was talking to one of the guys on the crew of the P-2000 who had just happened to have been on one of the boats that we dipped the enzyme to, and he remembered it happening when they were going on their way up there. So we're quite famous, and I think they'd done the entry into their log that uh, a British uh, vessel had dipped their enzyme to them. So that's a uh, one for us. During our time going around Denmark, we managed to mainly anchor most places and we were up in one particular anchorage that was it was sort of set out in the middle of sort of nowhere and it was a quiet, really quiet little anchorage and there was only one other boat in this anchorage this particular evening and because we fly an ASA Army Sailing Association defaced Blue Ensign it's a talking point for people because lots of people don't know what it is but this other boat gave us a call across, and, and they weren't too far off from us, and they said, what's the enzyme you're flying? And so we told them it's the Army Association Defaced Blue Enzyme. And they said, oh, do you know a guy called Rupert? And uh, I said, yes, I do. And it just turned out that this, these people were my old boss's in-laws from Norway. So the boat was Norwegian flag and they were on holiday at the same time and we just happened to be in the same anchorage. So I pinged my old boss a message saying, I've just bumped into your in-laws and he pinged me back. He said, I know. (laughs) So that was one of the the funny things that happened to us up there. We also uh, were on our way up to, we were going to go up to Gothenburg and we were going to try and get to Oslo. So on the way up there, we got to an island called Anholt, which is halfway across uh, almost to to Gothenburg. And while we were there, it was blowing a bit of a holy. we had a message from a mate of mine saying that um, he's now with the Honourable Artillery Company Band and they were going to be uh, in Denmark at Sonderborg for a week at the Ring Rider Festival. If we were anywhere close, did they want to meet up? Well, we had a, a quick discussion about it. And we decided to turn round and head back down south to go to Sonderborg to meet up with the guys. In fact, there was half a dozen guys that I actually knew in the band. So we had a week uh, alongside in Sonderborg, going to all the different events that they were playing at and and getting basically free beer, courtesy of the Ring Rider Festival. And we had a fantastic week and we had the guys come on the boat on their last day and we had... The drinks on the boat before they left to go back to the UK and then we carried on our trip and then we went off then we we, we scrapped the plans on going up to, to Oslo because we needed to go round into Copenhagen. We'd booked to go into a place just south of Copenhagen called uh, East Hoy, to leave the boat there for a couple of weeks while we had to come back to sort out some stuff that we had to do urgently. On our return to Copenhagen we had a couple of days just to sort ourselves out and we went into Copenhagen and did the touristy thing there. We we went to the Carlsberg factory and and a few other places, the Tivoli Gardens and whatnot. And we also booked a mini cruise on a, they have a, a ferry that runs from, from Copenhagen up to Oslo um, every sort of other day. So we booked on this thing, we were gonna go up to Oslo We'd have a full day in Oslo and then we'd get the ferry back in the evening. So it was going to take us three days to do this. Kinda of ticked the box that we were that we wanted to go to Oslo. We couldn't quite get we didn't have the time to get up there with our own boat, so we took the second best option and went up there on a cruise. In Oslo we had a really good day up there. I mean the weather wasn't particularly good, it was it was wet and miserable. What you'd expect. wouldn't expect actually Um, but we went and saw lots of stuff up there we went to the resistance museum we went to see um, loads and loads of bits and pieces so we had a really good day in oslo the one big shock that we really did have we went into a pub and ordered two pints the bill came to 19 pounds for two pints you could have knocked us over with a feather i'll tell you and then we came back down and then The whole time it took us, the the, the boat sat in in East Hoy for about three weeks and he only charged us £150 for that that whole three-week period that the boat was there, which was a real bargain. So from there we decided that we were going to head back home from Copenhagen. So we we headed off south, came out of Copenhagen and we went round Gedse and a couple of places I'd been before. And we went back into to Marstel, um, which is on the island of Arrow, and we had a lovely few days there. And we met up a guy, with a guy, from Hornet Services Sailing Club, that lives up there and keeps his boat there. And he gave us a big bag of um, shrimps. So <laughs> that was that was a really nice thing that he did. And then we headed then south, then and we came back down through the Kiel Canal. And um, we came round a corner. We we had a couple of days in Cuxhaven. We had a day in Cuxhaven, just while the weather cleared a little bit. And then we went back round to to Nordney, back into Lewarden, and then we were starting our way back down through the, the canals. And we got as far as Amsterdam, and we couldn't come any further south than that because of the weather, or, or because we had a really hot summer, and the levels in the canals were such that if they opened the gates, they'd contaminate it with seawater. We had to go then to... and we got to Eimouden and the weather had gone really horrible and we were stuck there in Eimouden for three days waiting for the weather to clear up a bit which wasn't too bad because then we had the opportunity to jump on a bus every day and come into Amsterdam and do the touristy bit around Amsterdam now we were gagging uh, we were spitting feathers we needed a drink so we were looking for a cafe so we went into a cafe and I ordered a, a latte as normal and Roe fancied something different. She thought she'd have a mint tea. Well, it was one of those sort of cafes that had a funny smell about it anyway, but this mint tea kind of, um, as we say, sent her a little bit queer. It, uh, we think it was uh, one of these, um, what do they call it, cannabis cannabis teas or, or whatever, but yeah, she was quite ill for for, for quite a while afterwards. So that was her experience in Amsterdam. We went and had a look at the Anne Frank Museum, but it was ridiculous. We tried to book online to go in there, but we took one look at the outside and it was queuing around the block. There was hundreds of people there. But we went and saw the Resistance Museum and we went and saw a few other places there, which was really good. We finally got a bit of a break in the weather and we set off from Moonden and we're heading south. And our plan was to go straight from moonden down to Blankenberg, which is about 100 and 129 miles, I think, we clocked. And that was our longest passage to date. So we got down to Blankenberg, We had a night in there. We topped out with diesel. And then the following day, we pushed off for Dover. When we got into Dover, we had a normal procedure talking to the the, the harbour control and dodging the ferry traffic which at that time of the day we got there was really busy. Had the night in there and then we left the following morning and we headed for Shoreham. we had had a little problem with uh, the electric so we went to Shoreham to meet up with Paul who was going to sort out this little drama for us. And then from Shoreham we had a night in the lock, we left the following day and we got back to Gosport and that was the end of that trip. By the time we got home we got a brand new kitchen, Row was in love with it, it had exceeded all expectations. There was a couple of little snags obviously, but you'll always get little snags and most of the house was pretty much finished and there was some, some bits and pieces that still needed to be done, but the bulk of the work was done by the time we got back from our trip to Denmark and Sweden. It's fairly quiet at Hornet over the summer months because Lots and lots of people go away for the summer uh, with their boats. So that's, for us, is a quiet time. So when we got back, we were just in time for the Battle of Britain dinner, which was a fantastic night again. And then we set to with organising the stuff for the Christmas and helping out with sorting out pickle night and trafalgar night and then working up to getting the... The meat raffle started, so for us it was once once we got the boat all squared away and alongside, we still went out and did a little bit of sailing over the weekends and stuff like that. And we were taking part in somebody, the, the Army Cruising Association, we're part of which is part of the ASA. We've got a cruising division, and we have odd rallies over weekends. We're also uh, members of the Helberg Rationers Association. And we've attended some of their rallies and some of their functions. They have one over at the Royal Yacht Squadron once a year. They go up to Yarmouth uh, or to Limington and have a rally up there. So we know lots of the other guys that own Helberg Rasses. So we're, we're fairly active members with them from time to time. But most of our efforts are directed at Hornet. Over the winter months at Hornet, we organise a few talks, uh, evening talks of different stuff, and an old mate of mine, uh, Nigel Vardy, who's a mountaineer. Uh, he's a fantastic guy. He was on an expedition to Mount McKinley some years ago, and it went kind of wrong, and he ended up losing most of his, well, all of his toes and and, and most of his hands and his nose. But he goes around giving inspirational talks. And I had a chat with him, see if he'd be happy to come down and give us a talk at Hornet. So he came down, we put him up, and he gave a fantastic talk. I'd already seen it a couple of years beforehand at the Telemark Championships. He's a Telemark skier as well. How he does it, I don't know. He's got no toes, but he does manage to Telemark ski. So he's quite an inspirational guy. We also had a few other talks going on over the the winter months. And this last year, we had Jason Sulkey, who is of sharp fame. He was the the ginger one, the the rifleman Harris. He came down and he gave a fantastic talk. And we had a really good turnout for that. And uh, that's the sort of thing that we run down at Hornet. One of our biggest problems Is trying to get younger members in. Unfortunately, the nature of sailing is that it tends to be the older people that can afford boats once they've retired and stuff like that. But our biggest problem is rejuvenating getting young people in. So if anybody is ex-military or young enough still in the military and wants to come and join in a fabulous club, please come along and join Hornet Services Sailing Club. Well, that's about it for this particular episode. In the next episode, we'll go through what happened in 2019, how we got the house all finished off, we got Artie the ship's cat, and the ship's cat is going to start featuring in some of the next episodes, and where we sailed to in 2019. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and...